whatever he'll use. Um, you know, I'm reminded with things like that and other stuff in, in our church. Basically, our mission, um, if, if I put it in a nutshell, is the way I look at all of you here, and you might not look at yourself in this way at all, I view a bunch, a room full of leaders. I, I, I view a room full of influencers who we believe you all represent different uh, pockets of the city, whether it's by your profession, whether it's by your, um, where you live, whether it's by your life stage, whether it's by where you go to school. Whether, you know, whatever it might be, maybe it's your ethnic background, whatever it is, you all represent different communities. And our goal is that as the message of Jesus Christ penetrates you, this, right, what we're doing here, this is like boot camp. And what we do is that we send you out from here to go back to your communities to impact them. So what that means is that uh, for us at the village ministry, we might not even be aware of what ministry is. We might not even be knowing exactly what is going on, but something is happening because the church is being sent out all over. Does that make sense? I, mean, I get excited about that. I get, I get really excited about that. What that means is that um, we put a high stake in every single one of you and how you are growing to be more like Jesus. That's really important here. This is not about a nice Sunday show about, you know, coming to do this little thing. You are really the work of God. Um, and, and, and part of that is what you learn. So we have a high belief that what we learn about God, what we learn about the Bible is really important. Our, our theo, theo, theological understanding of these things are really important. Um, and so I don't want to minimize that, but I want to suggest that who you are, your character is just as important as what you learn. The person that you become is just as significant as the truths that you learn. So we're going to look at some verses as we continue in this series in Philippians that looks at this idea of character. So I think we have the verses up on the screen, or you can also pick up uh, in, the, in the benches there. You can pick up a Bible if you'd like. But Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. And this is Paul writing here, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's prudent worth how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send them just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So we see Paul here, and, and this is kind of unique because in most of Paul's letters, he just goes into it, like doctrinal stuff all over the place. At the end, he goes a list of people. But here, he kind of breaks in the middle of the letter to start talking about a few of these people. So he speaks tenderly of these guys, and ref he's referring to them as a son and a brother. So who are they? And you, you and I, if you read your Bible, you, know, you might know a little bit about Timothy, that he was a young convert to the Christian faith. Probably he came to know Jesus on one of Paul's first missionary journeys. Um, you know, that brought him through Lystra. Uh, we find that Timothy's mother was Jewish and his father was Greek, so he had kind of a cross-cultural experience even in his own home. And, and when we look at Paul's letters to him, we can assume 
to Timothy, and this might help some of you who feel a little introverted or feel like a little, like you're not that bold. Most likely, timid was kind of, uh, Timothy was kind of a timid personality. Timid Timothy. I mean, it's really good, right? Wordplay there. Because um, he, he needed encouragement to not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul wrote him, hey, hey, don't be ashamed of this. Good news. It's, it's good. And we find that later he even became pastor of the church at Ephesus. And even just like Paul, ended up in prison. When it comes to Epaphroditus, we know probably less than we do, uh, than we do about Timothy because he's only mentioned a couple of times primarily in this letter here. Um, and, one, and one author who writes about Epaphroditus, this is what he says. He says, the Epaphroditus of this passage would have been completely unknown from the annals of church history was it not for this single reference to him found in this passage. He held no public office. He was not a pastor or a teacher. He planted no churches. He preached no sermons. He wrote no epistles and taught no Bible studies. He was not in the limelight. He was simply a servant. He was sent by the church of Philippi to look after Paul's physical needs. So Epaphroditus, and again, maybe this gives you hope in a culture where we elevate uh, public figures so much, even in church. You would think that church would be different, but even in church, we elevate certain people, right? Like the people who are amazingly gifted at music or maybe the, the person who can preach. We elevate these folks. And I'm not saying we don't want to honor those people, but we're reminded in the gospel there is no B team. There is no, like, less than. We are all called together to be on mission together. And Epaphroditus is just along the same path there. He was a servant. But the thing that strikes me about both of these guys is that they're not necessarily the first people you think of when I say, all right, boom, and not that we do this, because that'd be really weird, like a weird, like, you know, if you come to our house, we're not going to play games like this, but say, boom, name your five top biblical characters, or boom, top three, who would you emulate when you were a little kid? I mean, you know, that's weird stuff, but if you did, um, probably Timothy, and even less Epaphrodites, I mean, we can't even see the dude, say the dude's name, right? Probably these two would not be on the top of your, like, biblical heroes list. Um, it's like if we had baseball cards, and for those of you youngins, back when I was a kid, when you bought baseball cards, you got gum, right? That's, it's weird sounding to some of you, but you got gum and baseball cards, and the thing is you would open it, and if you got like that player that no one, you're like, oh, man, you know, it, it, probably someone in the back in the day would open up, say, if they had biblical baseball cards, oh, man, not another Epaphroditus. Like, he was not on your top list of the people you would necessarily emulate, but I love it here because Paul he puts forth these two men as models to the church of what kind of character we were supposed to have as we had the mind of Christ. He doesn't list off the most famous people. He, he lists these two and says, these two have Christ-like character. What are a few aspects we see of that? One, we see uh, the sense of being selfless, a character being selfless. Verses 20 to 21, it says, for I have no one like him, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, speaking of Timothy here, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here, yo, my boy Timothy, he is one of a kind. This is a gem. And and apart from Paul, there's a reason Paul's sending this man that he calls his son, because he knows that no one is going to care for them like like Timothy will. Timothy was deeply loved by the church, And he was also genuinely um, concerned about the church. He really cared for them, even as Paul did. And maybe the question we can is, why did Timothy care so much about this church? I mean, it's not his hometown. It's not his Why did Timothy care so much about the church like this? I think the key is found there at the end of verse 21, 
where it says, that, um, not, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That the reason I would suggest that Timothy cared so much about this church is because he cared about Jesus Christ and his concerns above his own. And it's important to keep in mind because what it's saying is that um, to be genuinely concerned about the concerns of another person rather than your own and looking after Jesus' concerns, Paul is saying those two things are the same. To care about other people and to care about Jesus, Paul's saying you can't separate the two. If you, if you say you care about Jesus, it means you have to also care about his people. That to serve Jesus and to serve his people are one and the same. And, you know, um, part of my calling is just to talk to people who maybe they feel like they're far away from God or they feel like uh, they have no interest in God or maybe they weren't burnt by the church. And often, this is one common thing I hear. It's like, you know what, dude, I got no problem with God, actually. I really dig Jesus. Jesus is awesome. The problem is the church. I have no problem with Jesus at all. It's the church that are like a bunch of selfish, hypocrite. I got nothing to do with them, but I love Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're tight. But the church, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Um, but biblically, that's actually, you can't really say that. Because in the scriptures, the church is not this separated thing from Jesus it's called like his bride. That'd be, that'd be like you and be, me, you coming to me say, yo, pastor, I, you know, I dig you, man. I, I love you. We can hang, but your wife, <laughs> keep her home. <laughs> she is annoying. And you know, she, she's not, I, I, I can hang, I don't like your wife. Um, I, I would still try to be nice to you, but I'd have to say, well, we can't, we probably can't hang. Yeah. Cause you got to understand this is my wife. You, you don't say you love me and then you don't love my wife. That doesn't, that doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. We are called, if we say we love Jesus, we're also called to say we love his people. We love the church. It doesn't mean the church is not broken. I'm going to just hang out here for like a month. You'll find out. Church is broken. We're broken. But it doesn't mean we love her any less. And I want to suggest this, guys. When we understand this selfless aspect of character, there is a profound beauty when a church like ours is marked by selfless servants for the sake of Jesus and others. Man, it's just beautiful when you see a whole group of people come together, and as we love Jesus, we selflessly also love people. And I know I wasn't here last Sunday, but I heard we had like a little party here, right, with all the little dudes and dudettes up here singing their VBS songs, going nuts, and some of you bigger dudes and dudettes up there with them. That's, I got video evidence, so if you, um, I, I couldn't, it's not shameful, though. It's great, right? But if I needed to, I could put that out there. But it was beautiful. And, and just, we had a great week of sermon. And I'll tell you this, guys. I was excited to see all the ministry going on. Uh, we had, like, close up to 90 kids in here um, just hearing about Jesus, having fun. How many times does that doesn't go together, having fun and hearing about Jesus, right? Kids loving it. And I, my heart was encouraged to hear of uh, many parents and families who were just blessed to see their children being blessed. For me as the pastor of this church, man, I can't tell you how much my heart was like encouraged to know many of you that were here all week serving, giving of yourself, selflessly um, giving up your time, giving up your energy. I know some of them classrooms were hot. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get when you got like 40 little kids under five in one room, it gets hot. And selflessly giving yourself, caring for these little ones, going out of your way, being here when you could probably do anything else. And, and I was encouraged. I want to encourage you and remind you, it's worth it. Because when you are being selfless like that, God uses it. 
God uses it to touch families in ways that you might not know. And the, and the, the kingdom of Christ moves through that. And I want to thank you. And I couldn't help but re- remind us even some of my own background. Um, I remember when I was little. I think I'm almost positive it was third grade. Um, my parents sent me to a VBS in our neighborhood back in, in Pennsylvania where we lived. They sent me to this VBS of another church, right? So I went there, little dude. And I, I don't know how many years. I mean, I'm old, so that's a lot of years ago. I still remember the whole topic was about Gideon. I still remember that. I still even remember some of the crafts we did. I mean, it had that kind of impact. How many years later of these people at that VBS? And they probably have no idea what happened in my life. I even remember this. They were so selfless. I had like a key part in the last night little drama. And I just didn't come because I didn't want to. I was selfish, right? Not selfless. I was selfish. And I remember not even coming to this thing and not telling them I wasn't going to come. But they were selfless. And I imagine... Um, how encouraged they would be now, how many years later, to see that this little dude that they invested in, that they gave up their time to serve that week back however many years ago, is helping to be part of something like this, where people are hearing about Jesus. Guys, that's kingdom kind of impact. That's the kind of stuff you don't even know about sometimes till years later. But God does not waste our selfless sacrifice and service. Amen? And we, we got to keep this in mind. That it's a beautiful thing when we give of ourselves. So we see a selfless aspect of their character. Another thing about we see about their character here, compassion. Compassion. I mean, I think there's a lot in here, but specifically verses 25. It says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all. And, you know, particularly that last part of there, he has been longing for you all. I can kind of feel that, you know, and when Paul writes, usually we think of Paul as this big nerd, right? Like all the Bible nerds, they love Paul because he writes in sentences that don't end. He knows how to use, keep using commas and it's still grammatically correct. I mean, he's a big nerd we think of, but we, we, we can't lose the fact that he's got a big heart as well. And he's writing about it here. You can tell. And we're told about Epaphroditus as he's describing him. He's basically homesick because the people that Paul's writing to are, if this is Epaphroditus' home. He longs for all of you. He longs for you all. Epaphroditus missed his family and his friends terribly. He felt far from the people that he loved with all of his heart that he cared about. I mean, the language and the food and the climate, it, it, being in Rome, it was so different. He just wanted to be back in Philippi with his homies. He just wanted to be back home. And, I mean, he was a man of God. He was a church leader, but he had homesickness. He was feeling these emotions. He missed the people that he loved. And, and I, where I wanted to talk about that in terms of compassion and, and our emotions is sometimes we have this weird notion that means being, that being a Christian means losing like your sense of feeling. That if we become a Christian, if we follow Jesus, somehow we've got all the answers. So we start feeling stuff that everyone else feels. And like even, I mean, I think you see it the most when tragic things happen. When tragic things happen in people's lives, Christians, some Christians just got really weird answers. Well, we know that even in the midst of all of this heartache, there is a God who is in control and he is sovereign over the universe. So even in these minute details, it's like the other side of that tapestry. It looks all weird on this side, but on the other side, it's beautiful. And we're like, what? Like, that's just strange. That's just strange. 
that being a Christian doesn't mean you stop feeling. I would actually suggest that knowing Christ fully should actually produce deeper compassion within us, deeper emotion, deeper feeling, that one of the effects of knowing the gospel, knowing Jesus, it actually helps us to be more human, like what human really was meant to be, that we should become actually more authentic, more well-rounded men and women because of knowing Jesus. Here's why, guys. Because as a Christian... When you look at people's hurts, when you look at things like losing loved ones, when you look at, like, soul-crushing illnesses, when you look at the harm we do to one another, when you look at the pain of loss, when you look at the, the sickness of violence, there's a part of you that knows that's not the way God created things to be. That what we see that breaks your heart It should break your heart because that's not the way God originally created things. He created things to be perfect, in harmony, beautiful. Um, And what we see now with our eyes is the brokenness of a broken world. So when you see these things, your hearts can be that much more moved for someone. Rather than just having these pat answers telling them, oh, it'll be okay because God knows it all in the end. Here is my coffee mug that says it. Instead of being dumb like that, we can actually say, I feel for you. My heart hurts for you. This is not the way it was meant to be. And there's a reason your heart feels like you don't have the words to express just because you weren't created to understand this kind of pain. And I'm right there with you. And I weep with you. If you think about it, think about Jesus. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35, right? When did he do that? When one of his closest friends died, Lazarus. And he saw his sister's response. Jesus in response, I'm going to tell you this, Jesus much more than you and I knows what's going to happen. Jesus much more than you and I knows it's all good, knows that he wins in the end, knows that he's in control, knows that even that pain that they're experiencing, that's not the end thing. He knows it's going to get better, but still Jesus wept. He didn't say, well, 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 guys, I got insider knowledge here. It's going to turn out good. Just wait. This is going to be awesome, right? He's going to come. He wept. Because his emotions hurt for them because he knew that the sting and pain that they were feeling was not what they were born to understand. All to say, don't discount the compassion of your presence. And I think that's one of the strengths of our community as we get to know each other. And and I, I think you can give good biblically formed responses to people when they're going through stuff. But sometimes the best answer you can give is just sit with someone and say, you know what, I don't have much to say, but I'm here with you. I mean, I can pull out my theology books and give you all the stuff, but what I'm going to do is actually sit with you, and, and, and you're not going to cry alone on this. You're not by yourself. This is not just you, because I believe that what Christ does is gives us new family, and family doesn't cry alone. And there's a compassion of feeling, and we see that in, in Timothy and Epaphroditus, as described here, as they express their emotions, one more aspect of their um, character, we see courage. Courage. I can't help whenever I say courage. Courage, right? Courage. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that 
he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So apparently, for Epaphroditus, after traveling around 800 miles, um, six-plus weeks of travel from Philippi to Rome, he got sick, really ill with a serious disease, and he nearly died. And in those days, they had something called Roman fever, um, which took many lives. And some of you who've traveled overseas, you know that there are certain uh, inherent risks in just traveling. Back in those days, you still had the same risk, but they didn't have these kind of medical precautions that we have today. So um, as a result, the disease Epaphroditus contracted, it nearly took his life. He almost died. So in verse 30, this phrase that you see, risking his life, this is a verb in the Greek that means to expose oneself to danger. The risking his life is literally to expose oneself to danger. So we see this guy, Epaphroditus, he's no coward. I mean, this is a beast. This is a courageous man, and he's willing to take enormous risks to help this man, Paul, because he loves God. And in this way, Epaphroditus is like Jesus Christ himself. And Paul, when he's writing here, he makes this crystal clear, because when you look at the phrasing here in the original language, when it says Epaphroditus nearly died in verse 30, this is exactly the same phrase that he uses earlier in verse 8 when he talks about Jesus coming to the point of death. It's the same kind of language to describe the sacrifice of almost dying for Epaphroditus as Jesus experienced on the cross. And it echoes Jesus' real sacrifice. This guy truly had the mind of Christ in his courage. And simply for us, as we think about kind of character produces that when we know Jesus, when we understand the gospel, it produces a certain special kind of courage in our character. It, just, it, it, it creates this like kind of fierce-like, um, courageous tendency that the things that we used to fear stop making us tremble so much. We're not so afraid of the things that used to make us afraid. And, you know, as I think about courage, I mean, I think a lot, a lot of you, um, I, my mind naturally came to our interns. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, Rob and Larry. And I, I don't know what they look like to you, but, man, these guys are beasts. These guys are beasts. And, like, <laughs> to the point, I mean, like, Rob will tell me stuff. He'll just send me a ticket. Yeah, I'm going to go with someone, like, drive over to, like, Jersey because they asked me to go with them. I'm like, oh, okay. Do you, 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 you know this person? I'm like, oh, not really, but, you know, they need help. I'm like, okay. It's like there's a courage there. I love this one. I mean, Larry, I mean, Larry, those of you know, Larry is like a beast. He will, like, go anywhere to talk about Jesus. With he will go anywhere to help out anyone. And I love it. Rob sent me a text one time and say, um, yeah, you know, I went with Larry because he was going to a real bad area of town to talk to some people about Jesus. I didn't want him to go alone. And, and right now, Larry's wife is like, what? <laughs> how, come, how come he doesn't tell me this stuff? Um, <laughs> but I love that. I love that because there's a certain courage there. There's a certain courage. And, and I want you to be clear. It's not because they're tough. And I mean, they're, I think they're tough guys, but I don't think it's really that. Why are they this courageous? Why would they sacrifice themselves? Why would they do some of these things? Um, because of Christ. Because of Jesus, they will do whatever it takes, even at their potential hazard. Because they believe so much that the name of Christ is worth it. And if there's even one more person that could hear about Jesus, even at their own detriment, they're going to go there. They're going to do it. They're going to do what it takes to get done. Because of Jesus. And I love that. And I, I see that in so many of you as well. 
So we look at some of these different aspects of character, like selflessness, compassion, courage. And, and I would suggest these are all marks of someone who has intimately met Jesus. And as we go out into the world, as we send you all out, man, your character is critical. Who you are is critical. Again, I am a firm believer we need sound doctrinal understanding. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we will talk about, that's why we're very honest to even talking to many of you. You know what? You think you know Jesus, but there's all these other aspects that really are not in line with following Jesus. We need to be clear about that. So we, we hold those high. We emphasize it. But I think sometimes in the church we overemphasize doctrine to the, ex, uh, to the detriment of character. Because I think sometimes in elevating what we know, we naturally diminish the importance of who we are. Yeah, again, I think it's really important for people to hear what we believe. Again, I'm, I'm really big about that. They need to hear from our mouths, this is who Jesus is. But as much as it's important for people to hear what we believe, I think it's just as important for folks to see what we believe as evidenced in our character. Just as much as they hear us talk about who Jesus is, they need to see it in our lives, our character, the evidence of what we believe lived out in who we are. And it's just a simple, simple idea. Character counts, guys. Character counts. As part of um, our time away, I was, you know, I was speaking at um, this event out in Chicago area, and I got to spend time with some family who lives out there, and, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't follow Jesus you know, they don't go to church. So some really good time to just be with them and spend time with them. And we had some really deep, good conversations. And, and the one family member in the midst of it, she just started, and she had all the really good, like kind of doctrinal kind of stuff first, like sharing like all the reasons. And I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I hope I can find a smart person to talk to you about this, right? But we, we're doing all that. But then she starts getting into some of the past and said, yeah, I remember when I was like 12, 13 years old, a man from the church, because we were going to church, he came to us. He just asked me, have you, have you been saved by Jesus? Because otherwise you're going to hell and dying right now. And I want to make really clear, we believe in judgment. We believe in eternity. We believe in things like heaven and hell. I don't know if that's the best approach you take with a little kid. Pretty much on the spot. Tell, Do you know this Jesus? Otherwise you're going to hell right now. And, and the crazy thing, that's like 20, 30 years ago for her. She still remembers it like it was yesterday. That's framed her memory of what the church is. She was also sharing how her family, because of the, where they were financially, they had to work on Sundays. They had a business. They had to work on Sundays. And she would share how she still remembers how the people in that church, looking all high and mighty, would look down on her family as they rolled in their really nice cars, looking down on their family because they weren't there all the time. And again, we affirm being here is good. We affirm that it's good, but we also recognize real life at times. And she still remembers the judgment that her family experienced from church people. And and I'm going to suggest they could have had the most sound doctrine in the world, totally know what they believe and why they believe it, but their character did not necessarily match the words coming out of their mouth. And I got to be honest, part of me like was getting mad. Not, not because I'm perfect, but because I hurt. Because I see how, how many years ago these things have just still keeps impacting. As much as there are other reasons, that's like the core of it, I think. These memories of who Christians are. Now, I don't want to be someone like that. <laughs> I'm a far better person than they are. Why do I need Jesus if I'm better people than they are? 
It's still hearts. Character counts, guys. Character counts. But it can also be redeemed. So um, the retreat I was speaking at last weekend, I mean, it was good. I mean, we were, we were having fun. I was speaking throughout the weekend. And then on the final night, we had a time just of open mic, and no one was coming up, right? Um, no one was coming up. Finally, this one, uh, one, one individual, she came up to me, and she said, you know what? Um, I don't have really much to share, but what, can you tell me what a testimony is? And I was just like, well, you know, it's just sharing your story a little bit. She's like, uh, I don't know if I should. I, there's nothing really too special about it. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes God, it's not about how special, whatever that means. Just share it. So she went up there. And, man, she's, again, for privacy purposes, I'm not going to share all the details, but just laying out just incredible woundedness she had received from other people. Just like crazy, deep harm and hurt and woundedness from person after person. And, she, and you know, we're, we're all saying none of us knew this. Her church didn't know this. And then at near the end of her story, she said, but then I came to Chicago and I started school. And one of my classmates invited me to this church and I started coming. My husband didn't want to come, but we started coming. And all I knew is we were really skeptical for a while because everyone was so nice. <laughs> Just everyone was so kind. And we were thinking, what's their end game? Because they had never, she especially had never experienced kindness like that before. Never experienced people genuinely concerned about her. And they went, when they went through some troubles, people sacrificing, lending, lending stuff, cars, being there, talking, crying, helping, all this stuff. They had never experienced that before. And she, I, just, I just remember this, uh, just looked out at the room, and she was just so thankful. Tears just running down her face. And her and her husband up there together just saying they're so thankful. And it reminds me, character counts. <laughs> Character counts. Because in those two stories, um, there's very little about, yeah, you know what? The pastor preached this amazing sermon, and, and that's what really brought me back to God. I'm not discounting that. You know, I don't want to be out of a job here. But in, in many instances, as much as God uses the word preached from the pulpit, he uses the word lived out in the character of the people. Guys, Character counts. And I want to encourage you in that, that this doesn't take superstars. It doesn't take the people that we elevate as real, like, important Christians, whatever that means. It's just every single one of us learning of the transformed character that comes with walking with Jesus. The kind that when we run into people who have one have nothing to do with God, they're like, wow, you are different. There is something different in your life. I have never seen compassion like this. I've never had anyone care for me like this. I've never had someone sacrifice like this for me. I've never had someone be so generous. I've never had someone go, with, go to the battles with me like this. What, what's up with you? What's up with you? And we radiate Christ in our lives. So at this point, if my message were to you, come on, guys, aren't you motivated? <laughs> The world will change with our transformed character. Now let's go out and let's be selfless. Come on, I know some of you are already sacrificing, but give more. Come on, sacrifice more. Come on, be more compassionate. I know you got no time, but be there with people who are hurting. Be there with people who are wounded. Come on, you wuss. Be more courageous. Go follow Larry and go to the worst parts of Baltimore with him. Come on. 
And maybe like one of you are motivated. You're like, yeah. <laughs> but probably if you're like me, you're kind of like, man, I, I feel kind of overwhelmed. Because the truth is when I look at my heart, I'm actually very self-centered. I don't want to care about people's needs over my own. Especially when I've got people in my own family I can barely care for. How am I going to care for someone else? I'm tired. I'm selfish. I don't have any emotions left for people. I don't want any feelings left for people. And if you feel discouraged and overwhelmed, um, I'm going to say you're actually maybe doing this correctly because the reality of life is that if you're trying to obey Christ as the Bible instructs, you should feel lacking in these things because it's going to be way above setting a bar for you. It's going to be setting a bar like here, and you're going to feel like down here. You're going to be, there's no way I can be like that. Exactly. That's why we need Jesus. Amen? That's why we come pleading to the cross, come on our face, say, Jesus, I need you because I cannot serve the people you're calling the way you're calling to. I'm not that empathetic towards people. I can barely love my own spouse. (laughs) You don't have to raise a hand for that. I'm not courageous. I'm actually really fearful. I'm really fearful that I'm going to lose this. If I talk about Jesus, what's going to happen to my professional career? Or how am I going to look to that neighbor if they somehow find out I'm one of those Jesus freaks? I'm really, I'm, I'm not courageous. I'm actually really fearful because when you're there, when you're lacking in these things, you will discover that your lack of these things is what actually draws you to Christ. Your lack of these things, these things you feel you're not good enough, that's often the best place to be because you're going to see someone who is selfless to the point that he would give his life on a cross. You're going to see someone who is very compassionate to the point that the most wounded in society were drawn to him. (laughs) You're going to see someone with so much courage named Jesus Christ, who though he had every reason not to, gave up his life. Like firefighters in 9-11 went the other way where everyone else is running, straight into the fire. The courage of Christ. And you worship him. And as you come to know this Jesus, you realize that your goal is not to just develop greater character. Your job is to know Jesus more. Because as you do that, you start to see selflessness become part of your heart. You start to see courage develop. You start to see a deeper compassion and and a deeper uh, emotion for people. And when people ask you, hey, man, why are you so different? You don't say, yeah, right? (laughs) You say, it's Jesus. I'm not that good. I'm actually a really selfish person. But wow, Jesus has transformed my heart. And when I know how much he gave up for me, how much he cares for me, how much he was there for me, that's what changes my heart, and that's what makes me want to serve you like this. So bow your heads with me, guys. And as our music team comes up to lead us in song, I want to encourage you right now and invite you to the cross. I want to invite you to the grace of Jesus Christ. Because my message for you is not, come on, guys, be more courageous. Be more selfless. Be more compassionate. Those things are all good. My message for you, my invitation for you is come to the cross where people who are not courageous, where people who are full of fear, where people who are self-centered, where people who don't have any energy to care for anyone else can come and receive grace from Jesus and worship him so that we can be sent out as his ambassadors. And that's, what we, that's why we gather together, guys, to set our eyes on him, to rem- be reminded good character is not something we, f- we make, 
good character, something that happens as we press more and more into Jesus. So in a little bit, we're going to have the table. We're going to have communion. And it's a time for you to remember Jesus if you're a Christian. And if you're a Christian, I would invite you during this time to come up and as you're praying, you can receive the, the bread and, and dip it in the cup there. Be reminded of the broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Christ. And be reminded how much you still need him. Just like you needed him on that day when you first received salvation, you still need him because you recognize you need help. And if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you, maybe you can consider this Jesus we talk about so much. That's, it's, this is so much more than just trying to be a good person. This is about knowing the Jesus who makes us into the person that we are created to be. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the time that we have to dwell in your word. But more than just knowledge, how your Holy Spirit takes these words and speaks into each of our lives as we need to hear. Because some of us sitting right here, Lord, we recognize um, too much of our life is focused on ourselves. And because of different reasons, we felt like we need to protect ourselves. But Lord, would you free us this morning? Remind us that when we press into you, when we trust you, you take care of ourselves far better than we can take care of ourselves. And we can be freed so that we can worship you and take care of others. So I pray for those in that place, Lord, you would meet us. I pray for those of us who have a hard heart towards people. Maybe we're angry at people. Maybe we just don't give up whatever about someone else. And we just want to do our business. And we've got, whether we've been jaded over the years, we just have very little empathy, very little compassion. Would you soften our hearts? Would you remind us, Lord, of the Christ who met us when we had nothing to do with him and showed compassion for us when we were wounded and broken? And Lord, some of us are just steeped in fear. We fear so many things. We fear death. But Lord, even maybe less dramatic than that, we fear failure. We fear people. We fear image. Help us to not fear those things, but fear you. And to know that when we fear you, we're loved by you. So we don't actually have to live in fear. So that we can be courageous, Lord, for your sake and for your name. So help us as we come to the table, Lord. Remind us who we are in you. And transform our character as you send us out here, Lord. So again, why don't we stand up together right now and as we sing and pray, um, I would invite you, if you're a Christian, come up and receive. You can come up both sides to the table and receive communion this morning. And and, uh, again, dwell with Jesus. Ask him to transform your heart as you press into him.